Ding dong. The Vince is no, he's not dead. Never mind. <laughs> uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Without Context podcast. Please don't sue me. Uh, whoever the hell owns the rights to that now. I was really hoping uh, when Vince <laughs> announced his retirement that he would walk out uh, at the beginning of Raw and it would do it would redo the limo explosion uh, <laughs> from like 15 years ago. Jesus. Just my favorite part about that. My favorite part about that storyline that literally had to stop because of a double murder suicide. Yeah, um, it, uh, that we're not going to talk about. <laughs> it, it was because right, right. I if I can't remember it was it the same. It wasn't the same day. It was the Monday after. It was it was like that weekend, I think, and then they had to do something real quick for Monday. Yeah, so I remember they they also had something they had to do something because he was on ECW at the time, so they they had the real quick switch out ECW. Yeah, so um, as what we're alluding to, uh, the big news in uh, the wrestling world this week is that Vince McMahon, uh, at what seventy seven, is finally retiring uh, from the WWE in terms of all duties. For a lot of for a lot of us that took our entire lives. Yeah, I mean. To say Vince McMahon is in a consequential figure in the wrestling world would be an understatement. Like, I don't think wrestling as it is right now and as it evolved from the territory days wouldn't be what it is without Vince. Kind of at, like, the forefront. Uh, And, I mean, it's him that led directly to, you know, WCW's, you know, NWO and stealing guys from him and then that whole Monday Night Wars rivalry, which now we have uh, for a brief time, we had the Wednesday Night Wars with NXT and AEW. And now it's kind of a head to head on Fridays with Rampage and SmackDown. And, I mean, would you is- consider would you consider uh, AEW having won that war between uh, Dynamite and, and uh, NXT? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> of course. I think uh, because I don't th- <laughs> cause unless I am wrong. That led to NXT getting a whole fresh coat of paint. It because did. Trips it got because apparently like it with Trips direction wasn't doing it. But that was also back during the pandemic era and like the empty stadium days. So there's a lot, going on. There's a lot of factors to uh, take into account there. And AEW was still relatively new at the time as well. So AEW was also taking all the indie darlings at that time. So like they had to they had they were almost forced to like switch up how they were how they were doing the thing. Yeah. Uh so, yeah, I mean, it's the end of an era, to say the least. I mean, For this sure. is easily from 80s to now. So about 40, 45 years worth of wrestling history was with this man at the forefront. I mean, you got classic feuds with Stone Cold. You had him in, you know, the minist- the corporate, the Earth Corporation and the Ministry, like all these Attitude Era storylines. Uh, he wrestled God, I, if we remember that. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> I was just about to bring that up. And um, one because of course he did. Of course, this is all also probably as a response to all the allegations and all the exposés coming out about him now with the hush money and millions of dollars to basically cover up his uh, devious sexual and nature. Canoodling. The, can- the and, and uh, on- unwanted canoodling. And on top of that, now, um, I think the number of law firms that are investigating Mitch, um, the McMahons for security, or Vince McMahon primarily for security fraud, it's up to like 10 now. Yeah. So he has multiple law firms 
investigate so, him for security violations. So while it is a, a thing on top of yeah, while it is a big deal, this is probably a response to save face for the company. Uh, he's like, if I can get away from the company, and now it's just me. It's not WWE being hit by this. So, it's definitely it definitely feels like an oh shit button to like eat, hit the eject button. I know, and I know. Uh, I when I when I read the news, uh, when was it? It was Monday afternoon, I believe. Uh, when I read the news, I instantly thought it's like he's been voted out. Like he wouldn't step down. This is like a board decision. Probably it's like Vince, you need to go away for the sake of the company. Yeah, I think you know probably. Oh, I've sacrificed. I mean, that's the thing. This is a publicly traded company, so shareholders might have been starting to breathe down people's necks. I mean, you have that combined with kind of the state that it's in right now. I mean, your your world champion isn't really around, so you're kind of focusing on all your mid card guys, which you haven't done anything to really build up. Um, so it's kind of getting his ass whooped every weekend. So uh, WWE is kind of in a weird spot right now, and I feel like this was just the response to it. Because now you have, with the news of this, you have Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon being co-CEOs, and Trips being handed the reins to Creative, which back in the golden, the black and gold era for NXT was the highest thing that WWE had, bar none. Like yeah, they, sure. they put on every kind of banger match you could think of. They had Lucian Liger versus uh, what's his name? Um, but Tyler, Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze. I mean, you yes. had the excellent. I mean, before he became another, you know, sex pest. Uh, the Alistair Black uh, Velveteen Dream feud. Yeah, which was great. You had Champa with his just like tyrannical title reign and the whole feud with Johnny Gargano. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you got angles like Adam Cole visiting Gargano's dad's like restaurant or something like that, like during their feud. <laughs> that was, that was so great. it's like that's all with like that's all like Trips's like influence compared to, you know, the main roster stuff where Killer Cross, Karrion Cross comes up and starts looking like he's out of Mad Max. He starts looking like Lord Humongous and it's just he kind of starts looking like he just walked out of a BDS. And then he club. loses to Jeff Hardy his first night. Like yep. it's. It felt kind of vindictive at times, and then that one, and then there was a whole thing with Keith Lee where he became Bearcat, Bearcat Lee, Lee. Once he became, you know, <laughs> Bearcat Lee. Like if I don't know what did something with him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have minded them making because they have to give him something marketable. So I wouldn't mind that as long as they did something with him, but they didn't. And now he's no. a AW Tag Team Champions with Swerve, who didn't even get a chance on the main roster, and they cut him. Nope. Like, like they all just disappeared within like two weeks once they got to the main roster, and I really felt like they should have done a lot more with Hit Row because in NXT they were just coming, they were they, just coming up, man. They released all of Hit Row, I think, within the span of three weeks. Yeah, like and Hit Row was like gold that they had, and they fucked that up. They could have easily, they, it could have easily ball. been the best stable. Like you always have these tag teams, and then you have a stable like Judgment Day, who isn't even on TV anymore. Um, so good job with that one. Uh, they could have had, you know, the tag team. They could have had the one title, like the U.S. or the Intercontinental. They could have had the women's champion after a certain amount of time. Like you could have marketed these people as stars, as like a squad. But it was just like, you're gone. You're gone. You two are gone. Not even like given a chance. 
Mm-hmm. Like they, they, it's like they immediately got to the main roster and they blew it up immediately. Cause if you remember, um, I can't remember the girl's name, but she got released immediately. Is that a B okay. Yeah, B Fab. She was released almost immediately once they got to the main roster, and then and, they just decided to just shelve the rest of them like within the next two or three weeks or so after. And that. admittedly, my favorite thing out of all of that is a uh, top dollar talking shit on AEW and other companies and then immediately getting released like the next week. So it's like, oh, I guess you're not going like, to work for these other companies you shit talked a week ago. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's just, not. it's so, it's just like, it's so perfect. But uh, I guess that leads us to the next thing. Now with uh, Triple H being back in a creative role, at least with all of his toys now in his toy box. I mean, they still have a team of writers. They still employ people. But I'm pretty sure he's going to have more of a firm hand on. That's dumb. We're going to do this. Or even even if not that, telling the wrestlers like, "Hey, th- this is dumb. We're just we hired writers, but this is stupid. Yeah. Go do your thing." Here's what you're gonna do: you're gonna take uh, you're gonna take what these writers gave you. You're gonna as long as it plays out like this, do whatever you fucking want to do in that ring. Like, yeah. It's like don't you, make it a you formula. You have the beginning here. You have the end here. You got the ten middle, minutes. That's you. Yeah, it's like it's you just got to ten be like the bullet points right yeah, there. It's, it's like, just, hey, make sure get all of these, but go for it. Like go crazy. Gonna, Use your imagination. You got t- you got 10 minutes. Go out there. Do whatever you want to do. This is the finish. Let's go. Nope. Just it. don't don't break PG. Have fun. Yeah. Well, so, for now, don't break PG. It's going to be TV 14 soon. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what I have uh, brought up right here is uh, I have an article brought up uh, from Wrestling Inc. Just kind of getting other people's uh, reactions to um. Vince McMahon, you know, being retired. And it is kind of like a mixed bag of, uh, you know, some people being very happy for Vince that he's retiring. He's getting a chance to relax and they're still like being pretty, you know, honest about it. It's like, he's a good guy. I'm glad he can relax now. But then you have people who are just like, yeah, man, Vince retiring. Thanks for everything. And then you have some people who are probably like, oh yeah, uh, Real Tyler Wild, who I don't even remember who that is. Uh, bye, Felicia. <laughs> so you get this real. What mixed... was the reaction from Tony Khan? Uh, oh man! So yeah. So onto that. Uh, Tony Khan. The longest the, the same day, Tony Khan would like to uh, congratulate, be thankful that he is now the longest tenured CEO of a wrestling company. Which I don't even think is accurate because I think Dixie Carter was around around longer. I didn't watch a lot of TNA, so I wouldn't know. Um, They've been around for 20 years at this point, so you know. But this kind of brings us to kind of the crux of this episode that I wanted to talk to you guys about. With us feeling like a new era, at least creatively, of wrestling. Because now you got Tony, who is... An okay booker at times. He lets the wrestlers do what they want to do, and the wrestlers in the ring can't perform. And now you have Triple H, who's probably going to loosen the reins a bit on his guys and have a little more of a hand in creative. And if he can do what he did in NXT, then you got these two very high class, like creative minds finally starting to go at it. It's not Tony versus Vince and his team, it's Tony versus Trips, which kind of has me excited. How much, um, how much do say do we know that Tony Khan has on the creative aspect 
I know Tony Khan has bookers. Like I know he has mm-hmm. some guys on his yeah. creative team, but I have, every final decision comes from him. Okay. So he approves uh, things. Sometimes he'll suggest things. Like I know with the wingmen, the group with uh, Dolph uh, Ziggler's little brother and Peter Avalon and the two other guys, uh, yeah. he came to them with that idea. So, okay. but Tony is definitely heavily involved in the actual direction of the booking. Okay. So um, my whole point about that is there. So remember we have Triple H in charge of creative and Stephanie in charge uh, as, as co-CEO. So you might as well have one or one of them on the other role because they're married. Yeah. I'm going to say uh, Nick Khan is outnumbered when it comes yeah, to decision sure. making. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm excited, and I'm wondering uh, if you guys have any thoughts about what like the not the immediate future because there's going to be like a growing period. It's be growing pains. It's yep. not because I didn't watch wrestling. I didn't watch wrestling on Monday, but I know I think they set up the triple threat with Becky, Bianca, and Oscar for uh, SummerSlam, I believe, or is it Hell in a Cell? I can't remember. I know SummerSlam is uh, this weekend, which I'm excited to see because that's if it's creatively Triple H, that's Triple H's first pay-per-view of his like run here so i can only imagine how that's gonna go next sunday boys get ready <laughs> he's on a saturday i think they moved him to saturdays now yeah it, it's actually this saturday night because i think a lot of wwe's pay-per-views this year are gonna be on saturday night instead of sunday which i don't know why i did that but it sounds really cool no, i don't mind that because if you have saturday as the if you have saturday as the uh WWE pay-per-view at some point it's gonna be Saturday paper WWE uh premium live event and then Sunday AEW pay-per-view just call it a fucking pay-per-view I'm I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna say what the what they tell me to say the thing that annoys me the most is the dumb marketing like that's all that annoys me about it's just it's the dumbest marketing it's like premium live events like they've always been pay-per-views it's like just it, it stinks of something that was set that was like focus tested with like some 18 year olds who've never watched wrestling in their lives. Yeah. Or they just sat them down like a focus group at some office building somewhere. It's like, hey, what would be a good idea to replace the term pay per view? You know, and then someone was like, premium live events. Premium live events? And it's just like, so well with our 1836 year old. Yeah, it's yeah. just as annoying. So looking at a, <laughs> so keeping in mind, let's, Let's be hypothetical here and say that Triple H now has creative control of SummerSlam uh-huh. and the outcomes and the card real quick. I have it brought up right here. Okay. So the matches that uh, have been confirmed, there's eight matches. It looks like we have Roman Reigns versus Lesnar, number nine, probably as uh, a last man standing for the unified title. Roman's probably going to keep that because I'm pretty sure Cody signed a contract that he dethrones Roman. <laughs> I think uh, he'll be back. I think it's straight. Cody has the ego. It's like, if you want me to come back, I am going to beat your best guy. And you can do everything you can to make him look tough, but I'm going to beat him at the first pay-per-view I get him at. I, I think, I think, um, I feel like triple, I don't think they're going to butt heads per se. I think they have a better relationship than that, but I think there's going to be some like, a contract, a contract, though. Like like, some, yeah, for sure. Right? Just like some, 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 like some, like some sort of like. There's gonna be some sort of altercation between Triple H and 
and uh and Cody. Oh, definitely once the initial terms of the contract wear off, you know, I think nego- renegotiations is probably going to put Cody in a worse spot. Um mm-hmm. but I think to get him on board, WWE had to give him everything that he asked for. And I don't think a bigger middle finger from Cody to WWE is I'm going to leave AEW and then beat your best guy at the first pay-per-view I get him at. Like, I just feel like that is something Cody would force them into a contract with. Mm-hmm. Um, We got Pat McAfee versus Corbin. Corbin is pretty much a jobber at this point, so Pat McAfee's winning that one. Triple H doesn't even have to book that match. I think that one's just already that match given. That itself. Yeah, Pat kind of books it. Pat McAfee for some reason's on fucking fire right now, and it's Pat McAfee like, is so good. Like, I would not be surprised if if he like straight up moves to the main roster at some point, like as a as a performer. Yeah, uh, we have Bobby Lashley versus Theory three. I think it might be their third match. Yeah, no, um, actually, it's the United, sure. it's the United States title. Uh, yeah, Vince isn't here to back up Austin Theory anymore, so. Um, is that for the belt? I don't think it is. It's, just, it's for the title. Oh, yeah, it is. And I mean, right. Bobby just won the title too, so it would make sense to keep it on him. I think if Vin, if Trips is going to start doing stuff, he's going to start making champions look stronger. Mm-hmm. You're going to defend your title. You're going to you know not lose it at some pay per view to a screwy finish. Like I think he's going to start making his champions and his belts mean something again. Which I only I can hope for because that's the thing about WWE's titles, man. They just the Intercontinental field title feels worthless right now. Like, like it really feels like it really just feels like a prop at this point. Granted, it's been a prop for years now, but the Intercontinental title, like sometimes I forget who's the champion. I know right now it's Gunther because Gunther's a recognizable figure, but when it was Ricochet and it was Apollo Crews and all, I had trouble keeping up because I was like, oh, um, but where's the Intercontinental champion? Who's exactly the Intercontinental champion? These I was like, oh, it's him. Yeah, they don't book the thing on pay per view anymore, and I think that's something that with Triple H taking over, they really need to get back into. No, it's putting the mid card titles a lot more on pay per view, especially the Intercontinental title. They do put the Intercontinental title; it's just on the pre show. Yeah, the thing is, like on the actual pay per view card, though. The thing is, it's a workhorse title. It's supposed to be for the guys that can work in the ring, but these guys are not given the time to work in the ring anymore. They're not given the time to tell a good in-ring story. So again, it just feels like it's another title now. Mm. It's, it's just kind of like nobody can really be like the classic like Brett, the heart feud and everything where it's like these guys can just go in the ring and tell you a story. You know, in, sa- in saying that, I do think the match between the Usos and the Street Profits will be one of those matches. I think. Oh, yeah. uh they got, I mean, I feel like if they don't give it to the Street Profits now, the Street Profits just aren't even considered like a threat anymore to the Usos. Sure. Like that is, I mean, they had the screwy finish at the last pay-per-view where... Had a couple of screwy finishes, haven't they? Yeah, he, his shoulder was obviously up when he was pinned, so it wasn't even like a valid pin. It's just always been screwy finishes, but like you can, you can only protect teams so many times with a screwy finish like that without it starting oh. to hurt them. So I feel like if there's a time you have to put the belts onto Street Profits now. So it's either that or they're planning to break them up, which I really don't want that to happen. That's another right thing. Now. I think they are talking about splitting them up because apparently uh, backstage, the two of them aren't really like seeing eye to eye anymore. 
and it's just kind of one of those things but it's like man just copy the story that keith lee and swerve are telling where they don't like each other until they win the titles together a good game so i thought they'll turn turn on each other eventually then they'll turn on each other when one of them feels the other person caused the team to lose the titles and then you can start the feud like um because i feel like that's what the keith lee swerve storyline is going to go they're going to hold the titles for a bit eventually lose them the team taz and blame the other person and then swerve and keith lee are going to get an excellent feud against each other that's the thing dude swerve that jumping kick that he does to people looks so good And uh, just when he also moonsaults off of Keith Lee's chest is also always really fun to watch. Super good. Mm-hmm. Or was hella talented, man. Like yeah, I said, that's another person I felt WWE dropped the ball with. You and, know, uh, I feel like they could have did a lot more with Swerve on the main roster than they did. Yeah, once we finish going through the card, uh, I want to talk about that too. Like, the now the chance of, well, AEW guys jump ship back because Trips is there. But let's go through the rest um, of uh this card so we have logan paul versus the miz because we always have to have a celebrity match during it's kind of the sad thing it's going to be fucking logan paul like it's logan paul i i I don't really i'm willing to i'm willing to put money down right now he is going to win when jake paul interferes they're going to have both they're going to have both of the fucking brothers in so they can eventually put the tag titles on them because that's for some reason is money they would and the thing they, is, they you know, would. You, it is money, I would, and I hate it. And it's not I, even. I would, that doesn't even sound like a Vince idea. That sounds just like a marketing idea. Mm-hmm. It does, but it just sounds so much more like a Vince idea than anything else. I don't know if Triple H would even go through with that. Because I mean, I don't. I don't know if Triple H would do that. I mean, even though it kind of might, it would be a marketing thing, and it would probably boost the company a little bit. I know that, Triple H. Do, uh, Triple H would do things that make sense. And yeah, it. The thing is, like that. Catches a certain demographic back, mm-hmm. and the thing is, like Vince or Trips, at the end of the day, is still a businessman. He is. He might not like the outcome, but if it gets eyes and money onto the product, then you know he's he might go for it. If because there's still a board of directors, it is still like, it still has a actual board of people. So Trips can't make. The company decision that's Stephanie and Nick Khan, and Nick Khan could get enough people to back him on a decision like this if something is said in like a meeting like that, you know. Mm-hmm. But so I'm gonna curse it. Uh, I'm gonna say that Logan Paul wins by interference from Jake Paul, and then I just feel like it is the final nail in the coffin. <laughs> um, we got Liv Morgan versus Ronda. Uh, Liv's probably gonna retain. Especially if Trips is now the one in charge. Yeah, I I hope I actually hope Liv retains. I kind of hope she retains clean. I like, hope she know re- a clean finish. The thing is, I can see Natalia getting involved in interfering with Rousey. Mm-hmm. Like that's the I I could see a world where that becomes a triple threat in the next pay per view again. That's I feel like that's the path that they're going to be following. You know, it's going to go to a triple threat because if they end it with disqualification. Ronda doesn't lose clean. The next pay-per-view is a triple threat. Natalia eats the pin. It keeps Ronda looking strong, and it keeps Liv as champion. Oh, but wait. Hold on a second. And then you have Charlotte Flair looming right around the corner. I swear That's going to be a factor. 
<laughs> that's gonna be a factor eventually. So I hate to piss on this parade, but the uh, fact that yeah. she the fact that she that's, is not on this down the road. The fact that she's not on this card actually has me surprised. Like it just Oh yeah. It's a pay-per-view without Charles. She's gonna get on the top rope at the end of the pay-per-view, just do one of her shitty moonsaults. <laughs> uh we have but, uh, Bianca and Becky. Down the road. Yeah, it they're gonna put eventually they're gonna put the title back on fucking Charlotte and it's just gonna be like this is the same shit that was happening previously. <laughs> you know? So I think that's that's an interesting topic. Um while we're going through the card. What what so we have a lot of stuff that's possible. What do we think is gonna be like same shit, different day? I think they're gonna keep Charlotte in like the major title picture. It's just one of those things. It's like she's just a constant these days. I think it's, that's probably just as a favor to to because Triple H loves Ric Flair. Yeah. For some reason. Um is Io Shirai still in NXT or is she up on the main roster now? Do we I know? Don't. Is, I don't know if she's with the company anymore. Is Io Shirai still with the company? <laughs> yeah, I thought her she's on her way out, but there's just rooms at that point, so I don't know. I, I, I know, oh I know God, there was a situation she's, where she's she was 32. In yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought, for some reason, I thought she was a little bit older. Okay, uh... They were unsuccessful. She was then out of okay. She's out of action with an injury, but she's still in okay. NXT. She's still in NXT. Okay, okay, okay. Which right. is kind of criminal, honestly. Like she's been wrestling long enough in other companies that she shouldn't be in NXT for this long. She should have been on the main roster fucking last year when they needed people, like during the pandemic era. But, uh, yeah, I think some NXT people will be called up uh, and kind of focused heavily into you know, the title scenes. I think Champa might actually become his own wrestler and actually be given time to be Champa instead of some weird bodyguard for Miz, it feels like. Mm-hmm. He feels like he's just some hired goon, which is just a shitty position for Champa to be in. That just leaves me scratching my head still. I don't know why. This man goes mm-hmm. from the banger Gargano feud from one of the best heel turns in NXT history one to of the greatest just, heels in NXT to being history. an afterthought. And this was after recovering his career, being Muhammad Hassan's lawyer back in the 2000s. See this, don't remember. No, don't. No. Yeah. Why'd you remind me of that? Like, he had to rebuild himself from that storyline, and he did it in Ring of Honor. Like, I know he was in Ring of Honor for a bit as Champa or Tommaso Champa. And then he came back and just like one of the best things in NXT for years. And then just, oh, he's here. He's lucky to be on main event. Like, it's just kind of sad to see that. But I think if Tripp's going to have his way, he'll start to build up his NXT guys back as actual like stars on the show. It might even like be good to give some of the older people time off. Like the people who have just been around forever wrestling. It's like, hey. Take a break. We'll use some of these other people now. I can see him adopting kind of Tony's thoughts on it. Like Tony Khan said that after each pay-per-view, the presented roster will kind of shake up, which is why you haven't seen like Sting and Darby on TV a lot, like in their winning positions. A lot of them have they've been feuding with House of Black lately and just getting demolished by Brody King to build up Brody it's King. Basically so it's like 
pay-per-view happens the roster kind of gets shuffled a bit new faces start being the main focus and then like the other roster kind of takes like a backdrop like b-side or c-tier storylines compared to like the main the main like higher b a focus storyline like even right now jungle boy just came back you know and that was what two that was two weeks ago and last week i don't think he was on dynamite at all so it's like they kind of space out their storyline christian still comes out with with uh um luchasaurus and kills a guy though that's that's definitely a thing that still happens yeah, uh, when Jungle Boy came back, uh, Luchasaurus went back to him, which is just kind of weird. I really hope he would have like stepped up beside him and then betrayed him, because I would want to see Jungle Boy I was, go. I was waiting for that too. I want to see Jungle Boy go through Luchasaurus before getting to Christian. You know, maybe I think it's a trap though by Christian. You know, just the, I think Luchasaurus is going to turn on him. False sense of security, and then Lucha turns on him, and then we get that match between Lucha and Jungle, um, Jungle Boy. Because which eventually leads to Jungle versus Christian, and it's going to be a banger when that happens. It's when the Jungle Boy becomes a Jungle Man. <laughs> jungle yeah. man. And the fact that he lets Christian just be like the grade A asshole that he's allowed to be on the mic—it's so funny. Yeah, it's, it's this is I like some this is like some 2002 Christian shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. Christian's a good heel. People forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to SummerSlam, we have a uh, Bianca and Becky, which is kind of a, a toss-up to me. But I thought it was a made into a triple threat. Also, uh, I don't no. think it's officially a triple threat yet. It's just Bianca and Becky. I, I I got Bianca walking out of this one still the champ though. Yeah, I mean it fits Becky's storyline of just being on this downward like spiral. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already talked about Miz and Logan Paul. Okay, then we have Mysterios versus Judgment Day, which is Priest and Balor with uh, Rhea on uh, the side with no disqualification tag team match. Rhea is on leave right now, I believe, for something. Something happened. She she got hit in the head really pretty hard by something on accident, I think. Okay. I I watched all this past week. She actually came back in a segment with the Mysterios where... um, she pretty much pie faced Ray's daughter and then kind of kid head, then kind of abducted Dominic while the rest of Judgment Day beat down Ray Mysterio right in front That's of him. Good. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, it's I, just, I like Rhea. I, I, I really, Rhea Ripley is such a menace on this show now, and I just love it. I love the direction they're going. What were going we talking her. about the night that uh, Judgment Day turned on Edge? Mm-hmm. We were like, all right, WWE, we'll give it to you. We didn't see that coming because it makes <laughs> yeah. no sense. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like that was the like outcome we had. It was like, I didn't, I did not expect that outcome because that outcome doesn't make any sense at all. Like, that just came out of nowhere. It, you come like, from, if you come from it from like a D&D perspective, it's like when you, you, you have like Edge as like this sorcerer or whatever, and you kick his ass and you take Warlock Patron instead. Yeah, so what I heard is that they wanted Judgment Day to go into a more supernatural route. And Edge vetoed that idea. So, I guess on the creative side, they wanted him out of the group now so they could still pursue that, like, storyline. Edge is supposed to come back as, uh, in an old gimmick, and I'm like, bro, his old gimmick was just him. His old gimmick was him as a vampire. Yeah. But, that was who he was before Edge. 
But the one that's across you guys, the concept of the heel demon with Finn Balor is kind of intriguing. Yeah. Because I would love to know how that would play out now that he's in Judgment Day if they ever decide to go the supernatural route. You could easily make the demon feel like a threat again by making, you know, Finn that, but also kind of giving Damien Priest the kind of pallbearer like aspect to it. You know? Because Damien like, Priest already kind of looks like a vampire anyway, so you might have to go. Damien Priest was the lost, the lost brood. Emaciated. <laughs> the lost brood number. Lost brood. What was his uh, name on the Indies? It was like uh, Punishment Martinez or something? Punishment, Punishment Martinez, yeah. And then uh, it was, uh, what, like Damien Archer before they turned into Damien Priest back in NXT? It was something. Uh, no, I think it was always Damien Priest. Yeah, he was always okay, Damien Priest. Priest. I know uh, when he first started in NXT, they let him keep his name. But then when they took him to the main roster, they... uh changed it to what it is now um i feel like you have to give the win to judgment day on this one i don't want a feud between the mysterios and judgment day but i feel like you have to probably have a storyline where they like corrupt dominic because wwe has wanted him to face ray for as long as he's been training at some point and it seems like they've been trying to push more towards it that direction of dominic turning on his father of joining I, the judgment they kind of been solely alluding it to us for the last couple of weeks i hate right, to say that. it i hate to say it the more i see dominic the more i just see eddie guerrero and i wonder if that storyline was actually real <laughs> like oh because, buddy it's the mullet, it, it's, the mullet. It, it's yeah, like it's, it's the mullet it's just the obvious like size difference between him and ray and i'm like oh my god he actually might be eddie guerrero's son <laughs> I like, Terry, jackass. It's, that's true but uh it, yeah, with the mullet, with the mullet, and just like his uh ring gear, like he's is very, he probably gets a lot from Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, uh, for just, sure. Eddie Guerrero did a lot for uh, the lucha, not just the lucha style. I guess I think more Ray is more of the lucha like pioneer in North America for like a mainstream wrestling company. But Eddie Guerrero is definitely up there as well as like a technical wrestler. So yeah, uh, eight matches. Still feel like that's too many matches for this card. But then again, AEW has been stacking up like 11 matches per pay-per-view now. They have like five hour pay-per-views, which yeah. is weird. They have a shorter, they have a shorter number, they have a smaller number of pay-per-views, but they do stack them and time the matches just long enough to be worth it. Mm-hmm. Like the matches don't feel like they go longer than they have to on AEW pay-per-views. And I'm hoping that we start seeing that here too. I don't want to mm-hmm. see Bobby Lashley in theory go for five minutes because that just kind of feels anticlimactic but i don't want to see him go for 20 minutes you know the problem is going to be where uh because what i'm seeing in a lot of wwe programming in particular is that a lot of their airtime is ads and so many fucking ads it's (laughs) ads and it's their promotional material that's not relating to any match on the card and it's like the next pay-per-view coming out. It's the tickets that go on sale for the next pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, and so on and so forth. And it's that that's easily like 20 minutes you can have in the that in the in the pay-per-view that could be match length. So let's uh, point out here because X, me and you go to uh, also 
We didn't do it 40 minutes ago. We're joined by Xavier again today. You guys know him from the last previous the previous wrestling episode. Um yeah, we probably should have introdu- introduced him way earlier. Uh, we go me and Xavier go to the live shows that are here in the area. And seeing like stuff that is live on TV where it's like the wrestler comes out and they cut to commercial. And we're sitting there in the crowd for like <laughs> 10 minutes. You're watching you're watching this guy just be like where Yeah, it's me. Yeah. Um, um, uh, it's me. Hi. They don't even do it on the mic. It's like all the lights go down. So you can't even mm-hmm. see the wrestler. It's like 10 minutes of that. And then when the show starts up again without the ad, the music turns right back on to the point it left off. And they're in the ring with the cameras on them, like doing their like greeting everybody. Yeah, and I'm it like, it's off really weird vibe. Cause I remember um, Bobby Lashley and Omos when I went to that last raw that came here. Um, they I had was the trying to get, I was trying to get your attention so much during <laughs> that. No, like I'm texting Xavier. I'm like, Hey man, I see you like, look behind you. I'm on the first balcony and I'm like seeing like X sit down there and I'm like trying to like get his attention whenever you turn in my direction. And I'm like, I like look way too much on there. I like look behind like, me to like the section number. I'm like, all right, look at the section like 23. I'm on like the first thing that's above the floor. And I'm like, Trying to get X's attention <laughs> without like people behind me looking like I'm a fucking yeah. idiot. <laughs> you're at a wrestling show, it's, you're allowed to look like an idiot. The most jarring thing, though, about those ad times during a live show is in the middle of the action in the ring when the ad starts, everybody stops mm-hmm. and gets out of the ring. Like they find a way to throw one of them out of the rings and then they like hit somebody with a move so they can just lay on the floor for the ad break duration. And then they just like pick it up right where they left off in the commercial. It is so fucking jarring seeing somebody mid like, ro- like I don't even know what the term is like, ba- like throwing them into the ropes and everything like mid throw like that in the person just stop their momentum and get out of the ring. Mm-hmm. Like it is the most jarring bullshit I've ever seen in my life. It's ugh. live shows are you fucking gotta, weird, man. Like you gotta, you gotta admit they have like, it's, it's kind of impressive that they're able to like do that. Actually, like they shouldn't have to, I I'm hundred percent there with you, but it's impressive that they have that down to a science like that. Yeah. It televised live shows are some of the like most jarring, like, smash cuts in movies you've ever seen <laughs> but like if it's an actual house show it's just non-stop like it's great have y'all, have y'all seen uh have y'all been to a pay-per-view before i have, I have not. not a premium live event no um, I've, I've i haven't been to a pay-per-view i've only been to house shows and a few televised ones i've been to uh because san antonio is a big city yeah. sorry guys um so they have they come here pretty frequently pretty regularly uh-huh and uh so i've been to uh i was here uh i was at tlc when um dx beat chris jericho and big show for the tag titles at the time the jericho the tables show. match yeah jericho. And a tables match and i have a picture of like uh i think it's jericho just like almost almost getting a concussion going down through a table oh god um but that experience uh, during the live during uh, during the live doing like house shows versus like 
uh, I haven't been to a Raw in a long time or a SmackDown or whatever, but I've been to I've I've gone to pay per views pretty frequently. I've been to Royal Rumbles and stuff like that. Um, and I think the 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 premium live events are are really where it's at. It's that it's the perfect mix of like the production values that you expect from like a Raw or SmackDown or whatever, and the nonstop that you get from a house show. Yeah, because you and have the- you have you still have ads. But they're at least between matches. They're not doing it mid-match, you know? Yeah. It's like, that's the thing about, like, the televised shows. It's just, like, ad time and everything stops. <laughs> it's like, the lights go dim. It's just... And then you and sit there. Where, yeah, and it's weird the way WWE does it like that. Because when I went to AEW, and that's a live show also, Dynamite didn't quite do all that. Okay, well, Because they do they a picture-picture. Yeah, they do a picture in picture and they just run through these matches. But during the ad breaks, you have like Justin Roberts, you know, like entertaining the crowd here for a bit, you know, like you would like any other house show. He just comes out, he does a little, a couple of bits and things, he makes a few announcements, and then it's just like back to the show. With WWE, yeah. it comes off really weird, okay? Because you know, you can have like the lights go dark, you have wrestlers just like walking around the ring. You know, sometimes they'll interact with the crowd, but other than that, it's just, it's jarring. It's like, it's like stepping into another reality for a second, and then you come back, and then the music hits, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, all right. I, I, it's definitely changed a lot, because I remember when I was young, I went to a WCW show that they had here at the Scope, and they'd go, they'd do the match, and then between the matches, the ring announcer would come out and, like, hype up the crowd to kill, like, the ad time. And then the next match would just get right on. But like it never it was never the lights going dim. It was never them just stopping. It was like yeah, the match I, would the match would go through. Cause I think that's what WCW did. They did the match and then did an ad break and then did the match and then did an ad break. You remember uh the list of Jericho promo uh in WCW? Uh so he started the list and then they told him, Hey, I'm going hey, we're going to break. And he just talked, talked so much shit to the crowd and got them all riled up. And then when they came back from break, he was like, hold number 3,451. 30, 30, <laughs> yeah, it's like that, uh, that television magic. It was just, it was weird. Like the first house show, it was like match, ring announcer comes up, hypes up stuff. They do like the thing with the cameras like towards the crowd. And it's like, it's like everybody do your best, you know, DX impression with like the suck it motion. So it's like cuts everybody in the audience like doing it. Or it's like uh, the best sign like in the show that night. And then it's yeah, like, here's an, here's another match. But it's like the live show was just like ad time. Nothing for five to ten minutes and then instantly right back into the action like nothing had happened. <laughs> it's like, is this what? This is what dissociating feels like. Yes, <laughs> like it is. <laughs> you see a wrestler lay, just laying down there for a bit, uh, and you're just like, "Me too, buddy. Me too." <laughs> yeah. Um. I guess uh, back to the topic of trips, uh, Deca. Yes. When it comes to a male wrestler and a female wrestler, do you think who do you think will benefit the most from this creative change? Oh, I I sent you that meme. Uh, like at randomly in the morning in the AM last night, where it's that Key and Peele sketch, sketch where where it's uh like you know Barack Obama like handshaking everyone and like <laughs> you know does the cool shakes with with the with the black people like and it's just showing different wrestlers. Yeah, um, which, I, think, oh, I think I think 
I think Oscar. It's in this. It's in this group chat. I think Oscar and um, I think Ricochet have the most to gain from this. So I think yeah. they were both, you know, homies with Triple H for for a while, and you know, it's it's that. Oh, I guess you're on the main roster now, buddy. It's out of my control. Yeah. Because um, remember that whole when Oscar went from NXT to WWE, it was a whole thing. Like Triple H came out, hugged her, like she gave up the title that she had never lost on NXT. Yeah, it was all it was a whole thing. And uh, yeah, and I think the person who might suffer the most from this is probably going to be Theory. I don't I think he'll still be present in like the main title scene, but I don't think he's going to receive the like to the moon push that Vince was probably about to give him. It feels like another attempt at the uh, Mr. Kennedy gimmick. Back from the uh, I got that feeling watching Raw the other night. Uh, hey, just embarrassed theory flat out. Well, I mean, that's, that's what you do with the money in the bank winner, though. You you yeah. you embarrass them, and then when they actually win the title, it's supposed to be such a big swerve, even though you they've been holding on to it for like six months. That's uh, the thing, it ties into the meme that I sent you of uh, back a few years ago during the summer, the Survivor Series build up when Team SmackDown came into the locker room and beat up the Team Raw guy. And uh, it was yeah. like, it was like every male wrestler on the roster, Austin Theory. <laughs> it's like, now that, now, that Vince, just... now that Vince isn't around to protect him. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, X, what about you? Who do you think is uh, going to benefit the most uh, from both sides of one the roster? One male and one female wrestler. Uh, man, that's kind of a tall ass, kind of a hard and probably not like um, probably not like a to the top kind of benefit, but who's just going to be shown better than what they are currently? I think it might be Kevin Owens. You know, I think uh, I think KO has a lot to Kevin gain Owens from this. While, yeah, because Kevin Owens for a while has kind of just been relegated to the KO show and then doing a match here and there and nothing else. He was in that feud with Elias, but. Uh, I Eze- know Ezekiel. Excuse you. Ezekiel. <laughs> I still say you the know. biggest swerve is if they are actually twin brothers and Elias <laughs> comes back. That would be the greatest swerve in wrestling. <laughs> that in, would be amazing. In the last uh, Eli- tw- like, 25 years, the last 20 or 30 years, because that's a that's the Hebner brothers level of like, <laughs> you know, surprises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I really do think he has the most to gain from Triple oh, H being in charge of the because I think that would lead him back to a push to the main roster. I mean, not to the main roster, but to the main event level of the main roster. And um, maybe somewhere down the line, you know, he gets back into the title picture, you I know, mean, and not just relegated to just doing KO shows all the time. So it's so sad because he's the first Universal title winner, right? Yeah. Well, the second. The second. It was uh, but, Finn uh, first. Yeah. Yeah, it was Finn first, and then it was him. But I would really like to see Kevin Owens get back to the main event. Yeah. You know, it would be. I think he can. I think he could pull it off in this day. In this day and age, you know, he had an excellent feud with Roman. You know, back in twenty twenty. Oh, was it during the Thunderdome era? Was it twenty early twenty twenty one? He had an excellent yep. feud with Roman Reigns. So I, I really do believe he gets back to that, but yeah. as a heel. He, so, I mean, KO's great. Like, his feud with Jericho was great. And, like, him just as a character. What's is my great. name on this? He can do 
comedy really well. He can be like a serious, like I'm just gonna fuck you up wrestler. Yeah. Um yeah, so he probably has a lot to gain from the change of command. Um who do you is what uh female wrestler do you think is going to probably benefit from this? Since Trips is probably top choices like Tony Storm, all that like the NXT ladies that were released are pro- are gone and not probably going to make a main roster. You know, see presence. that that was more that was a little more difficult. If I had to guess one person, and maybe this is just a personal wish of mine, maybe Shayna Baszler get her back to where she was in NXT as like the dominant you know destroyer who just broke people who just broke all the women's arms and. Just pretty much dominated NXT for a period of time. That would be my pick, you know, yeah. because everybody else, like Liv Morgan, she's kind of being pushed as like the next big star. Um, she's kind of being pushed as the next big star right now. She's a SmackDown Women's Champion. Um, everybody else, uh, it, it's in the air. But if I had one person, I think that would benefit the most, it'd be Shayna Baszler. Yeah, I would definitely love to see her get back to her dominating ways. Yeah, uh, for me, I think I mentioned. Uh, I think Champa is going to probably be presented better than what he is now. Yeah. I think he's going to be get to be himself again. Maybe a slow burn of he's just starting to attack people randomly, like he's just proving that he's a menace again, until somebody yeah, finally I, steps I, up to stop him. Um, I think for when it comes to women's wrestlers, I think Shotzi might start getting better chances. I mean, Shotzi, Black, Shotzi Blackheart is great. Like, she's she has a great look. She's great in the ring. You know, there's bring a... Bring back the tank. Bring back the... T- Trips is going to give her the tank. Like, <laughs> um, I think everybody's going to get their last names back as well. That'll be nice. I just want Shotzi as a face again. That's all. She yeah. was uh, she was really fun as a face. I'm not I, digging this heel stuff for her. Yeah. I want people to get their full names back. That's another yeah. thing. Like, I want people to get their full fucking names back. I want to call him Austin's theory, not theory. I want to call, call her Shotzi Pete Blackheart. Butch. Yeah, yeah. I want call. I want to call him Pete Dunn. <laughs> it's like, that Bush is so. Oh God, so such. I I I want to call Gunther Walter again. Yeah, just Walter, all caps. Yeah. It's just all, all caps Walter. It's like they've never seen. A, it's like they've never seen a Japanese slaps. Wrestler. Like the slaps he gives people are like shotgun blast sounds. Like a frying pan hitting you. Um but yeah, I think uh Champa and Blot and Shotzi have a bright future if they can start being presented as better people because Champa feels like an afterthought and Shotzi is just kind of in these multi women matches as, you know, screen time, it feels like. There's there's something to be said that all three of us had two different wrestlers, two different wrestlers. It's each. almost like they're not giving everybody their due. <laughs> like, yeah, it's funny how that works. Um, despite Triple H now leading WWE in terms of creative, I don't think Roderick Strong's going to stay around. Like I know, like Roderick Strong has had issues with his booking lately. And, mm. you know, his wife or wife or fiance, or I think it's his wife, uh, Marina Shafir is in AEW now. So we're all of his undisputed era friends, all of his undisputed era friends and his fiance slash wife. Yeah, just, I, let's, I, let's man go. It's fine. Yeah. And it's like he's running like Diamond Mine now, which is 
I don't even know what that is. I just know he's more of like a manager role, I think, for it. It's he's runs That's a faction. It's because they lost Malcolm Vivens. Yeah. Who showed up in AEW now managing Jade Cargill. Uh-huh. So Yeah. And just to add to that, I, I feel like he fits with Jade Cargill so much better than Mark Sterling. For sure. For sure. They just uh, Stokely, so well. Stokely and Jade is gold. Mm-hmm. It's and amazing. I'll be the first to say when Jade Cargill started, I didn't believe in her as like a, somebody who should be pushed as hard as she was, but she's improved. She's put on great matches. I mean, they built her like a star. Like her and Wardlow feel like it's the Gold, two. It's Goldberg one hundred and one. It's Goldberg one hundred and one. They feel mm-hmm. her and Wardlow feel like the same style of character building, but it's so organic. And one is the biggest baby face, and she's the monster female heel on the roster. Like, it's two different directions, but they did such a good job. And Stokely being the, the, same being, being the voice, players. being the promo cutter for her. So, and then she has her two goons. You know, like, it's the perfect heel Great. faction. My, I think my favorite part about, uh, about Jade Cargill in particular is that, like... Um, She's not bad at promos. I think she gets I think she gets in her own way. I think she's like a bit of a catchphrase machine. Yeah. As it were. Where she, she her promos are like uh cut the shit Tony and then three other things and then I'm that bitch and then three other and then end promo. Yeah. And but now Stokely feels like he's just more he is he's just a good manager, which is something that wrestling in a lot of places needs at times, but people forget about them. A good manager can make a star. Yeah, for like, sure. And then you just got Wardlow just being the monster face that he is. Wardlow just being a damn barbarian in general. Unfortunately, though, a- he's only had one match uh, since winning the TNT title, right? And that was Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Yeah. And then he like gave him his props after that match. And then he just hasn't been on because they've had other storylines currently running. It's also kind of it's also kind of hard to find, you know, the uh since they had babyface versus babyface. They can't always do baby versus baby matches, you know? Yeah. What uh what I want in terms of moving to AEW for a second, what I want for Wardlow is to have an actual like equal in terms of in terms of like his first big feud. And I think if they're don't put the titles on team Taz, I think Hobbs and Wardlow as a feud could be just like a display of two true, like AEW, like homegrown talents. Just I think it would, I, I think it would be good. I think they have to have the angle where it's like, um, you have Ricky Starks where like, no. So, so Ricky Starks tries to get involved and in, even Hobbs is like, no, nah, no, nah, I want to beat this guy's ass myself. Yeah. Because I do like uh, I do like Hobbs as a heel, but when he was a babyface, also like he was great. He can do both roles really well. But I mean, those are just two homegrown guys, and something. But it's just another thing, like the creative minds. You know, there's it can people can say their things about it, but AEW knows how to build stars, and they can lose clean and be rebuilt. Or they can lose screwy and get sympathy if the storyline requires it. It's hard to say that for a lot of WWE guys 
because when they lose, it's always for dumb reasons. And it's like you're not protecting them or you're not giving sympathy. You just did a bad ending to this match. You know? Yeah, like one one of my big issues with WWE is just how they build faces. Okay. Yeah. When they do baby, when they do um, stuff like that with um baby faces, oftentimes they just make them look. They make like them look absolute, stupid. They look look like fucking idiots. Okay, because you know they'll get distracted and they'll there'll be somebody outside the ring. They'll get distracted and they'll just start getting in their face. Refs counting to ten, and then next thing you know, the bell rings. And they just have this look in their face, like, and yeah. it's like it's so stupid. And they they repeat this trope with so many baby faces that it just. It gets to the point where it just starts to ruin them. Yeah, it it's does. like, how many babyfaces can walk into a match in a feud when their opponent has a partner and they know they're going to have a partner at ringside and not bring backup? Exactly. It's, it's like every feud with a babyface and somebody who has an ally is always plays out the same way. And it's like every Roman Reigns match. Them to start making babyfaces smart. Okay, yeah. or either that, or if you know that hey, you have a partner and you can't bring back up, you know, do something to outsmart the heel to get the victory. Okay, yeah. like, cause your own distraction. Okay, use that person outside to distract your heel, uh, your opponent, so you can get or, the win. Like, have them do something intelligent. One of the other ways I like when they do that is when they like they when they're having the promo and they're like goading them into the match and are like. You want the match? You they they have to go away, and they they can't be at ringside. You know. Yeah. So that I hope would, we. That uh, would be nice. I hope we see less of that. Like I hope we start seeing wrestlers that have an intelligence behind them. Like it's not just mm-hmm. something for story purposes. It's like I want to feel for these. I want to feel these characters' personalities now. Like that. If there's one thing I hope that comes out of this is that everybody starts to feel different. Which is something that I think WWE lacks. Nobody yeah. feels really unique unless you're at the top. Like Roman feels unique and Brock feels unique and Cody feels unique. Everybody else, it feels like a default setting on a creator wrestler. Like Cody's uniqueness is that he has five minutes of pyro and a two minute I, entrance. I and, just want them to kind of feel. I just want the you know the mid card guys to inject more of themselves into their characters. Yeah, you get my, you get this kind of, you know. Yeah, I've said that before. Wrestling companies are at their best when their mid card is strong. That's mm-hmm. why it's like, look at AEW. We have all these injured top guys right now, but the shows are still great because their mid card has been presented so well that they can take main event slots and perform in them. You know, like they can get the crowd behind them in these main events because they already know how good they are from what they're allowed to do in their position. And they've had women's main events. They've had tag main events. They've had, you know, people on the lower card as a main event. It's I mean, you have a battle royale where Brody King of all people wins it. And Mm -hmm. that establishes a strong tag team. You know, Malachi Black and Brody King have been presented as a very strong tag team, but also shows. Brody, strong, Brody King is strong on his own. And he also went also toe-to-toe he, with Moxley. I like, Brody King the, wrecking machine. The yeah. way that he eliminated uh, Darby. What, uh, what's his name? Darby from that was brutal. Yeah, the chokehold and then just dropping him. Yeah. yeah like, the 
Yeah. I love but, I mean, that. you could do that on Darby. I think he's like the right yeah. size for that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, that's the thing. It's like, you just have this mid card guy who's only been in tag team matches for the most part, being able that he can go toe to toe with their interim champion and John Moxley because of how well they've been presented on the mid card. It's believable, you know? And, and that's one of and that's one of AEW's strengths. Like all of their mid card guys feel unique in their own way. You're okay. Mid-card. They feel unique enough to where you can just pop them in the main event slot and be like, oh, okay, well, this, this is actually kind of cool. Your top tier, your top level mid card in AEW is Mero, Malachi Black, Pac, Brody King, Darby Allen, Sting, you know, Christian Cage. Like Very that's stacked. your mid to upper, like mid card level. And even like you your know, low, your lower end mid card level is still like you know best friends, uh, private party. You have uh, team Taz, team Taz, and you know FTR is like still kind of a like lower rung of the mid card right now because they're only in tag team stuff. So it's like because the main tag team right now is Swerving Keith Lee, but your secondary best your not your champions but your secondary like best tag team has three companies belts on them like it's FDR. it's wild like it is it's just a it, the two landscapes of these companies right now are so different but i hope we can see some you know equilibrium between them where the wrestlers in wwe start to feel unique and start mm-hmm. to feel believable as characters also yeah. you also probably need to find a new monster heel like i like almost but he just probably doesn't fit the main event scene i think i think if we can get some more like personality in it almost where he's not just big and has a funny accent um i think uh he'd be fine good choice though having mvp as his manager yes as for a, sure mvp is money like it's yeah, just it, sure. it shocks me that people didn't see that back in the 2000s though like mvp is great MVP, MVP really- was really, he was a pretty good worker but he was always great on promo yeah yeah i think a lot of pro wrestling fans missed out on mvp in the 2000s because mvp was just gold on the mic every time he gets up there you want to hate him you know you want to talk shit to him and he'll talk shit to you right back and he's just so cool about it and smooth with it and he comes out with these suits and he just looks like this mom. I mean, he just looks like a million dollars in every way possible. Yeah. Okay. The, MVP is one of my favorites. On the promo, right. the promo between Miz and MVP uh, still lives rent free in my head. <laughs> uh, the one where the Miz goes off on people and like talk shit about JBL and like Evan Bourne and everybody. And then just gets on and then him and MVP just go head to head. That lives rent free in my head. One of the top promos of all time. Evan Bourne, uh, that is Matt Seidel, right? Like that. Yes. Yeah, Matt Seidel. He still has the best Royal Rumble elimination, getting clotheslined <laughs> and then flipping off the apron to hit the floor. Like, still one yeah. of the best Royal Rumble eliminations. Matt Seidel's insane, and that's another thing. Like, Matt Seidel is a low, is like a low mid card to just like low card guy in that company, and like that just shows the strength of like the lowest level of mm-hmm. AEW where they can have these workhorse guys able to put on good matches and train these younger guys like seeing Matt Seidel and uh Dante Martin together was great and like Dante is a great wrestler and I can't wait to see what he does in his career I mean it kind of sucks that his brother keeps getting injured but Dante has been able to prove that he can stand on his own as a single as a solos performer 
it's very promising. The future is very promising for wrestling in general, even if they don't stay with AEW. But I guess uh, that's it. I guess we just have to kind of wait and see now, you know? Yeah, it's going to it's definitely going to be like a wait and see situation here. Yeah, it's not going to be an overnight, you know, thing. Yeah, um, it's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be SummerSlam. It's not going to be like the pay-per-view after that. It's going to be like maybe even going into the new year is when we'll really start to see changes. I'm going to say this real quick. Um, Going back to NXT back when that first started, it took that company two to three years to get to the point where everybody remembers that as the NXT we all love. It took a couple of years, but they got to that point. Yeah. With the main roster, I don't think it's going to take that long. I would say maybe 12 to 24 months to kind of work out all the issues. But I believe once they get past that period, you're going to start to see the change from how McMahon runs things to how Triple H runs things. At least and, in in-ring quality, too. Like, matches might not be as formulaic as they are now. You know, if I can start seeing like a little more creativity and a little more freedom, I'll be happy with what we're getting. A little more long-term storytelling also. That'd be great, too. Yeah, just That's feuds true. that go on, you know? Yeah. At least, you know, a six-month, three-month, three six-month period. Just, not not like... Don't give me Roman and Brock 10. Like, that feud should have I, I, ended I don't, at the I don't, unification, but it didn't. I don't think, I don't think no. Brock's coming back after this pay-per-view. I don't think so, either. So, yeah, I think he's after this. Because this would have been... I love his personality. I love Brock Lesnar as a person. He's just a fucking farmer boy from Iowa. I, I vibe with that. But <laughs> he just, I, I, he's not, he's not great in the ring anymore. He, no. he doesn't have the constitution to go as long as he used to. Yeah. And even that was still pretty limited because he was a big guy. Yeah. So not going to be an instant fix, but hopefully we start to see the seeds of, you know, greatness being planted in the roster. Especially a lot of good people have a good relation to Triple H. So I think it's going to be easier to talk to him about things creatively now. I think almost universally Triple H is pretty well liked uh, as far as like the as the office Triple H. Maybe not so much the in-ring Triple H because he was kind of a dick, but the office Triple H is great. Yeah, so hopefully we can start seeing seeds planted for changes, you know, and I hope that the thing is when ev- when wrestling is good everywhere, Everybody wins. Everyone has a good show that they can watch and be like, hey, did you see that match? And everyone's like, that match was a fucking banger. I just want the conversation to end. Oh, fanboys. I just want AW fanboys and WWE fanboys to stop. I need I need it all to go touch some grass somewhere. To go touch some grass, please. <laughs> um, you know, the big question both? is ultimately yes. down the line, could we see that cross-pollination though that forbidden door that the, the actual forbidden true door. forbidden door i You're talking about AEW and wwe working Vin, together vince feels like he just had the mentality of fuck you got mine like this is my company wrestling is mine but if you know it's like hey we can make a good relationship you want you want my you want my tinfoil hat theory yeah not the wrestler um, Cody Rhodes going uh, as the executive of AEW going to WWE with all of his shit like he had in AEW like almost exactly copy pasted 
um, is AEW's uh, AEW for someone up there knew that Vince was going to retire soon uh, and was like, hey, we're going to send you Cody. We're going to here's here's us like trying to, you know, talk up, bring up communication. Yeah, I wouldn't even feel bad if it's like if in a hypothetical perfect wrestling world, every company works together Mm. in some way. Even if it's just, hey, wrestlers from this company appear on your show when we're not using them, you know? Yeah. It's like what they're doing with Ring of with AEW's doing with Ring of Honor, right? Yeah. And they have Brian yeah. Cage on there. I've been seeing Brian Cage in like two years. Yeah. And, and then they got rid of Tolly Blanchard. So it's like, I don't know what's going on with Ring of Honor right now. I know John Grissom wants out. So there's He's a out. lot. He's out. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Um, but I would love to see like a Survivor series. Between WWE and AEW, a la like an, a revamped, better told invasion angle. Mm-hmm. Where every match that. is just decided by a coin flip. Make it completely random. And then figure out the match based on that result. So it's like, hey, let's have our tag team champions go at it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully this was, is with a unified WWE tag team title, so it's not 2v1, because that would be kind of stupid. But it's like, yeah. give me like WWE tag team, AEW tag team, and it's just like, all right, guys, coin flip. Bring back, bring back the pay per view bragging rights, but make it where they go cross promotion. Yeah, so it's like, w- all right, w- it's like, all right, coin flip wins. A WWE wins the match. You guys discuss how this match is going to go. We're going to give you fifteen minutes in the ring, and then it's like world champions. It's like. A single coin flip for the better world champion. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, coin flips are That's too sh- random because then you're going to have a bunch of WWE people winning out because of a shitty coin flip. So they put all the titles. They put the All-Atlantic, Intercontinental, uh, the women's titles and all that. And then they're just like, all right, we're going to draw straws. Yeah, there <laughs> and, you go. And it's like the you pick up and it's like, OK, I win. Uh, I'm going to pick the tag match. We win the tag match. And then it's just draw straws. I wouldn't mind that. That would be that would be fun. And it's like, all right, what are you? It's like a draft. It's just okay. What title match? What title match do you want to win? And it's, it's like, like some weird League of Legends draft where they're like, okay, we'll we'll win this one. You can have that one. And you know, you go go yeah. like that. Um, I wouldn't even be like upset if they just told their world champions, discuss it amongst yourself who wins this. And then they Call just in the ring. and then they just leave the room. <laughs> like, <laughs> so the executives are watching the match, like, oh like, no, who's going to win this? <laughs> that'd be fun. Give me, it's like in the perfect fantasy world. It's like give me undisputed WWE champion Cody Rhodes versus CM Punk. Like, give me that match just in my veins right now. <laughs> But it it's like that's just like the perfect fantasy world. But I would love to see in some way uh WWE start to do that. I know they did it with Nikki James during the Women's Royal Rumble. They called her the knockouts champion or impact. Impact, yeah, champion. So it was like, all right, we have to admit there's other companies. It's like might as well. It's just it- if WWE can embrace the greater wrestling canon. They can tell better stories because they can acknowledge past. They can say like, hey, Seth Rollins won 
the Ring of Honor title, you know, he like all this other stuff. And then it's like, hey, these guys won the New Japan titles, formed Bullet Club in I've, Japan with AJ Styles. It's like stuff I've like got, that, you know. I've got one for you. Um, they've they there. There's a match, and for some reason, uh, it's it's like um, it's Kyle. Where's Kyle O'Reilly been? I haven't seen him in a hot minute. Uh, all of undis- all of uh, undisputed elite right now is injured. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they're Cole, okay, Fish, so, and O'Reilly are all out with injuries right now. So, so you have you have them three in a tag match against you know whoever in WWE, and then here comes Roderick Strong once again. On whose side is he going to take? <laughs> Just, he ends up taking the undisputed Tim. And that's how you that's how you tell people. Oh, he's on AEW now. Yeah, and it's like that thing is like when the ecosystem is healthy, everybody wins. Mm-hmm. And if you start doing these cross promo shows where it's like hey this guy won titles in this other company then they get eyes on another company it's like hey we like this guy in ring of honor so when he comes to wwe it's like oh we know this guy you know Mm -hmm. people can get more invested into wrestlers Mm -hmm. and i think that's the thing it's like you drop all these people these new day the new debuts and it's like oh he's from new japan but nobody's ever watched new japan because they've only watched wwe who is this guy you know they run a video package it's and then Veer Mahan shows up and then he's regulated to doing whatever he's doing. So it's it's just a lot. Like it, there's a lot that could come from this, and in a perfect world, it helps everybody. But you know, it's still a business at the end of the day. So we can only hope. But I think uh, that is probably it that I have to say about it. I'm excited yeah, to see where it goes. I I I think we've all come to the agreement that like this is going to take you know. 12 months maybe at the earliest to see any like like 10 tangible change yeah but i think i think we'll get there now on the subject of wwe versus aw well i would i would love to see all that stuff but i think for now that ball's in wwe's core it's definitely in wwe's core right now aw is proven we're more than happy to work with other companies it's just if Triple H and Stephanie and Nick Khan are more than willing to step outside the WWE universe, you know, and kind of work with other companies. Yeah. Um, I think it's possible, but I guess only time can tell, and we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that. I, for one, am excited to see what happens in the post-Vince era. Yeah. Because it's like, that's what it is now. It's like, this isn't the... PG era. It's now the post Vince era. So there's a lot of optimism going around right now. Now that Vince's McMahon is out of the picture. Yeah. I, for one, welcome my new it's time to play the game overlords. That's the thing. It is time to play the games. But Mm -hmm. I guess with that, we'll probably conclude this episode here, guys. Yeah. All right. Good episode. So thank you, uh, X, for coming on to the show again for talking wrestling with us for an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, but it's always great to talk to people who have, you know, the same kind of hobbies and interests and stuff, especially when something big like this happens, like this retiring is probably the biggest news in wrestling history since, you know, AEW announcement. And before that, it was WCW closing like that's It just feels like one of those like landmark moments of the wrestling environment. Oh, it, it definitely is a landmark moment, considering how much Vince McMahon has shaped the pro wrestling industry over the last. 40 or so odd years. Yeah. Yeah. This is very much a landmark, uh, landmark case we have going on right now. 
Yeah. So if, I'm excited. If to, we start, if we start the territories, um, if one of one of them like ended up like retiring, and we had social media like we did now, it, it would be just as big. Yeah. 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 Like if, I mean, that's a whole like other story of like what if the territory still existed in modern day. Yeah. Like that's just six or seven different promotions, but probably all still working together. But again, X, thank you for coming on to the show. Deco, it's always good to see you here on the podcast. Yeah, yeah no problem. Man. No and problem. Thank you, everybody, for listening in on this episode or watching it on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube and Spotify at, without context. Sometimes you have to put the little brackets because brackets. of uh, search engine optimizations. Probably should have thought about that before I put the actual bracket in the name. Too um, late. But yeah, YouTube and Spotify. Uh, sh- Share it out if you're a wrestling fan. You know, in the comments, as always, Deca answers a lot of them. Uh, what are your thoughts on this for wrestling, and what do you hope to see, you know, coming out of this for wrestling? Um, I want to hear from you. I feel like the internet wrestling community will be very vocal about it, but again, that's just the internet. That's the nature of the beast, and I guess we'll have to see. But everybody's uh, links are down in the description, and I guess we will see you all next Friday. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. You'll see, see you later. on Monday. You'll see you on Monday <laughs> with his uh, D&D episode going up, yeah. But you'll see the rest of us on Friday. Bye. Bye. Bye.